Hey to all you B-Scientists out there. You are listening to B-Scientist, a podcast by the Black Science Coalition and Institute, or B-Sci. First, thanks for listening to our podcast. Second, if you are listening to this episode, just know this episode was recorded pre-coronavirus. Third, some of the audio quality for this episode may be a little bit bad. So, if you prefer to skip ahead to some of our newest episodes, that would be 100% understandable. However, if you decide to listen to this episode or any other episode, when you hear this noise, that means we just dropped a source that you can look up in our show notes or on bside.org, the official website of Bside. Again, thanks for listening to Be Scientist and enjoy the show. We back in the lab, we making some noise, so go turn your decibels up. Yeah. Black skin, white coat, oh no, who was nice as us? Made Jim Ascend, really told us no limits, so we about to take this up. Went from mixing in the kitchen to the lab, and now nah, I nah, can make this up. Be shy, be scientist, be shy, be scientist. We shining a light on the people of color to show them how fly it is. Be shy, be scientist, be shy, be scientist. We back in the lab with white coats on our back, trying to show what time it is. Hey. Welcome to Be Scientists with one of your hosts, Jana Carpenter, and as always, Jordan Chapman. And today we're going to talk about conspiracy theories. But before we do that, have you seen anything interesting in the news lately, Jordan? Uh, yeah, so apparently Wired.com has an interesting article titled The Twisty Physics of Simone Biles' Historic Triple-Double. Ooh. That looks, and it's got some equations on here, actually. Oh, boy. That's cool, actually. That's really cool. Oh, gosh. I'm seeing some G's and some T's and some... Intro to physics right there. That's and a there's a physics. There's a even, like, an animation. The only thing I can remember is centripetal force. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> definitely happening there. Yeah. <laughs> that's cool. All we know is that Simone Biles is just, as always, defying gravity. Yeah, And that's, being awesome. That's really cool, actually. Like, um, how does your body even do that? It would... Yeah, I don't know. I would like to, honestly. That's one of those. That's a weird thing because, like, if I could go back in time and be like, you should do like other sports, I would definitely consider gymnastics actually because gymnastics looks pretty cool when you really look at it. It is kind of cool. It is pretty crazy, and all of that happening within just a couple seconds is yeah really mind-boggling. Right. Uh, I have another one too. Oh, um, nice. Apparently, today's August twelfth. August twelfth. Yep. It's summertime, so I don't. I'm not entirely sure. But time is a man-made concept. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. But don't don't get me wrong. We will go over. Uh, don't don't listen to that conspiracy theory. <laughs> <laughs> we'll nice. Explain nice why segue. <laughs> anyway. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> but apparently, there's a meteor shower today. I don't know too much about it, but it looks like it's happening overnight. So if you're interested in those things, like I guess you can go to space.com and I mean, I'm, obviously after you listen to this podcast, it'll be too late for you to see the meteor shower. But apparently, space.com keeps you updated on stuff like that. So check that out. And other places, I mean, I'm sure you look up meteor showers, you can find a good list of them. I don't have a list right here for you, but I saw that today and I thought that was interesting. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I mean, it wouldn't hurt to just, you know, go outside after like probably midnight, I'm assuming. Yeah. Just looking up at the sky, just Mm -hmm. looking at the stars, what's going on up there. Have you ever watched any of the eclipses? I have, yeah. Actually, it's within view of the 
solar eclipse right. at Young Harris College. Nice. Were you like in the path? Like the yeah, perfect. Oh, nice. It, but there was one cloud, <laughs> way, of course, on that very uh, on that very day. But I was there. Right. <laughs> And I can tell my grandchildren that I was there. So great eclipse of fun. What was, what year was that? Was that oh, 2016? I'm going to say 2016. 2016? Yeah. Really? Or 17, maybe. 17. 17 feels more I'm, solid. Okay. Because I was still in college. Okay. I don't remember <laughs> what year that was. It wasn't last year. I no. know that. <laughs> Wait, was it? Well, no. actually, how, who are we to say? <laughs> It was in the last few years. Yeah. Um, I did. I remember the first time I watched like any celestial event was when I was like a senior in high school, and I watched like a blood moon. Oh yeah, and that was really cool actually because mm-hmm. I was like, oh man, that's like I never like to any other day the moon is the color it's supposed to be, <laughs> <laughs> except on that day you watch it happen. You're like, man, like this is this is pretty cool. And then it's I think so it was. Good. A blue moon too, because I think it was like, I think a blue moon is like a winter solstice and an eclipse at the same time. And I saw that all on the same day, so I saw a blue moon. And I had they yeah. do happen frequently. It's not like you will never see one. It's just so yeah, rare. Yeah, they're just but. yeah, yeah, they're pretty rare. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I remember when that happened as well. Mm-hmm. It's been a minute. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Did you um, have any articles? I do have one, and this is for all my chemists out there. Uh, unfortunately, the EPA has decided to allow the use of a pesticide known as sulfoxiflor, which is uh, detrimental to bees and other pollinators. So that's just great. <laughs> but yeah, it acts as a neonicotinoid, uh, which is a type of pesticide. Uh, or a combination of pesticides that give off this reaction to pollinators that can derail their path and, you know, destroy colonies mm, by, you know, messing with their communication. So, that's definitely not good because there's already a bee problem. Exactly. Not good at all. Uh, and you said you, where'd you find that? I found this on CNN. Oh, yeah. yeah. So if you're into understanding, uh, pesticides and how they work and their chemical properties then definitely check it out it's not great news but it is important to know about these kinds of things right before we move on me and jenna have been talking about how we will help you guys because we've talked about it making source list for each episode because this is really only our second episode so we've been talking about that um i don't know if it'll be in this one but we've we're trying to figure out uh, the, the right way to do it we might put a sound bite in each episode for when there's a source or a citation that you guys can check out. So if you hear it, then we figured it out. And if you don't, well, maybe you heard another one. <laughs> and you'll definitely know it when you hear it. <laughs> <Yeah>. so, <laughs> nice. Keep your ears peeled, cool, I guess, cool. as they say. I don't know if they actually say that. They might say it sometimes. That sounds know. really weird. Keep your ears <laughs> Keep peeled. Your ears peeled. <laughs> God. And it's like, like, you said that, and I immediately start scratching my ears. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> but, yeah listen out for it um hopefully we can get it up and running because it's kind of it's cool it's quirky yeah. yeah i mean we're all trying to make ourselves better so and if you guys have any suggestions check out or you can always send us an email at uh i think it's contact us 
at thebeast.org and we'll get back to you. Uh, we might have, again, we're still pretty early on in the podcast, but we might have some other ways to contact us in the future. So we don't exactly have all that, but definitely contact us contact us at the b-side.org and we'll plug it again at the end yeah we can take criticism <laughs> she says that she <laughs> nah it's fine yeah no we can do it. <laughs> so cool cool all right well let's get on with the show right let's we? get along with it i'm actually really excited for this episode Me I'll put that too. Out there. yeah it's a good one mm-hmm. conspiracy theories mm-hmm. go back as far as the beginning of time I probably like. yeah i would imagine so honestly mm-hmm. like, i don't have the citation for that but <laughs> but i'm sure they i'm sure there's always been someone saying something that you're not entirely true is you're not entirely sure is true mm-hmm. but you can't really say anything about it because you might not know about it yourself and that's what makes me really interested in this because it's something that you hear about a lot and i personally there was a time when I was younger where I probably did believe in like more conspiracy theories, but as I learned how to do effective research and how to navigate information on the internet, like mm-hmm. I've, I think I've become better at seeing what's a conspiracy theory and what might have some weight to it. Um, but yeah. And I feel like a lot of people don't consider, consider themselves as conspiracy theorists. Right. But as I was talking with Mike earlier before we started recording, a great gateway drug that was definitely one of mine mm-hmm. uh, was the X-Files. Oh, so yeah. Um, if anyone has ever seen the X-Files, then, oh, yeah. <laughs> then, you know, been really gripped with, like, true, like, feelings of, like, oh, this could be real. Mm-hmm. Like, well... Consider uh, well. I guess you couldn't necessarily call yourself a conspiracy theorist, but we can all be believers of something. Yeah, I don't think there's any problem believing in things necessarily. But yeah, uh, for those who don't know, Mike is our basically I would call Mike our <laughs> um, producer and director in a way, yeah. honestly, for the uh, Be Scientist podcast. Um, he gives us the studio. He allows us to use it, and we really appreciate it. So thanks, yeah, thank Mike. Thank you, Mike. Yeah. Shout out to Mike. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, conspiracy theories are always, I remember um, having a two-day argument with someone about aliens, actually. Ooh, and, detail. Yeah, so what happened was, he was basically saying he didn't really believe in, like, organized religion, but he was linking, like, the appearance, like, the, of, like, religious experiences mm-hmm. to aliens, and how all right now we're talking (laughs) he was spinning it basically and then he was like but see i as an archaeologist (laughs) i have to say that aliens are my least favorite thing hearing about in terms of like because his argument was that aliens also are religious and like that's religious experience can be explained by aliens and that aliens built the pyramids basically and i have to say as an archaeologist and also as an african-american i have to say that's one of like my pet peeves Mm -hmm. because one as an archaeologist i think it takes away from ancient civilizations and their agency to build such structures but also i think it's really problematic when people say aliens built the pyramids because it takes away from the agency of any group to do mm-hmm. anything to say that, oh, it couldn't have been you 
it had to be someone who had to come from millions of light years away Mm -hmm. to build this thing because there's no way you were intelligent enough to build it and I think that's really problematic I don't I don't like it at all yeah because it's it's one it's erasure yeah for sure number two is I mean we still base a lot of our like well-founded beliefs and facts off of things that we learned eons ago Mm. like we're still using those same methods especially with I'm sure you can answer this with ways that we you know group together in Mm -hmm. society like those kinds of things go back way far Mm -hmm. so I think it's just really childish to just conclude like oh there's no way that someone could be smart enough to you know right and yeah and the thing that also really got me about this is that and we'll talk about it more here today too but um so i having this having such a problem with aliens and archaeology that i was like okay i was trying to be play like i guess or not maybe not devil's advocate but i was at least trying to like play object objectively and say mm-hmm. okay well maybe there's a small chance you're right mm-hmm so I try, so I listened to what he was saying, and then I was like, okay, well, try out these videos. And I had some videos that explain the Fermi paradox and the Drake equation. So the Fermi paradox is basically explaining how, like, there are essentially filters to how any civilization could progress to the point where it could travel into outer space and then colonize. Hmm. other planets so basically intelligent life um and the drake equation pretty much um tries to quantify the probability of alien intelligent life in the universe or at least in the solar system Mm -hmm. and i showed him the videos or at least gave him the videos to watch and he said he watched them and i hope he did and it seemed like he probably did but he still didn't believe me and that's the hard part about conspiracy theories because it's like, even if you have the information to explain to someone and you do, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to believe you. And I think that's, I mean, it's hard because I don't, I truly don't believe that he was an unintelligent person. I don't believe he was stupid. And I don't really believe there's that many stupid people in the world. Mm-hmm. But I do think people are like, grounded in their preconceived notions about how the world works and their own biases about how things work so it's hard for people to get out of that that's so true and that reminds me of something that you were talking about earlier Mm -hmm. confirmation bias oh yeah so confirmation bias is i actually have a citation for that hey (laughs) Um, but essentially it's just cherry picking information that confirms what you already believe so if i were to say that i believe that the sixers are the best team in the nba and i only looked at websites that confirmed the fact that the sixers are in fact the best team in the nba it doesn't matter if they are in fact the best team in the nba (laughs) 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 it's but I'm not really being objective in how I'm doing that research. It would be better if I went to a website 
that had actual information about all the teams in the NBA without any bias to any of them. Just saying, we like basketball and we hope everyone likes basketball. And you can pick whatever team you want. But if I only go to websites that talk about the Sixers, I would probably believe, as I already do, that the Sixers are the best team in the NBA. But it's, you know, but that's confirmation bias in a nutshell. But wait, Jordan, does that mean that there are ways of looking up information that are better than others? Well, yeah. Um, so one of the things I think is helpful for people to understand how to look up, especially now, right? Because... Mm-hmm. In the world of pseudoscience. In the world of pseudoscience. And not even that, just that, but um, there's been all this talk about how the 2016 elections went down mm-hmm. and how Facebook and all of the other social media platforms mm-hmm. helped contribute to a lot of the fake news that was out there. And, and our consumption of media in general. Yeah, it's, it's tough. It's tough. And I do think it goes back to confirmation bias. Mm-hmm. Because, right. I mean, we only consume media that we want to consume mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Yeah, because they all, like, even because Facebook has algorithms that help basically just keep feeding you stuff that you probably like. Because that's how they make money is advertisement. Mm-hmm. Um, and Google kind of does the same thing, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, like, all those platforms basically just keep feeding you what you want to know and that just keeps creating this bubble of confirmation that your your worldview is right basically so it really does take a lot of Mm self-initiative to kind of break out of that bubble and to actually do honest research into any subject that you're maybe questioning Mm -hmm. or even views that you think are concrete right one that I thought was really helpful um, that I saw like maybe a couple months ago was um, there's a YouTube channel called Crash Course. Oh yeah. Yeah, and I and I personally love Crash Course and um, John Green, who does that series, um, is also the writer of that uh, book, The Fall in Our Stars. Really? Yeah. There's a crossover? Like, this is yeah, like yeah, John same Green. Ganji. <laughs> Whoa. Right. No, He's no. really good on YouTube about explaining a lot of things. Um, and he talks about that anyway. He does talk about <laughs> starting to in our stars and, like, the series that I'm about to talk to you about. But, so, there's a series on the Crash Course YouTube channel called Navigating Information on the internet or something to that effect yeah i think it's navigating digital information okay yeah and there i think there's about 10 episodes and he basically explains about how people can use different strategies to look up information like when they're on google and stuff one of the things that i thought was so maybe two things actually now i'm thinking about it so one thing that i thought was really helpful was that um when you're on when you do a google search that the first like few hits off your search are probably paid for advertisements. And sometimes you'll see it, it'll just say like, oh, this is an ad. And mm-hmm. there'll be like a little icon or something that indicates that. But other times like you might not see it or even if you don't see it, it's just, it's there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's better if you scroll down a little bit and like resist the urge to click on the very first Google search link. And, and I feel like if you go to any reputable institution, they mm-hmm. will teach that to you. That yeah. Not only should you 
be doing more thorough searches, but right. they will know that you are doing a thorough yeah. research. Yeah, there's definitely software to help with that too. <laughs> I mean, so. anyone who's taking like a, a lab class where you like type up stuff, right? There's mm-hmm. like, I don't know what it's called, but like they basically upload your paper to it. And oh, then like, yeah. You know, yeah, you know what I'm oh, talking man. about? Oh, yeah, turn it in. Oh, yeah. Was that the one? <laughs> I feel like there was some controversy controversy mm-hmm. happening with that. Okay, recently, I don't know about that. Yeah. Yeah, apparently it's. I I don't know the details. Okay. Of it, but it's just a money thing, and they're mm. just trying to take it away from. Oh, that sucks. Hardworking teachers, but oh. anyway. Mm. That's that's unfortunate. Yeah. Mm. But I don't know the details, so do not quote me on that, okay. please. Fair enough. <laughs> Remember, don't quote Jenna on that. Yeah, please don't. I need to do my own research mm. and come up with my own facts. Right, so Jenna's Well, not gonna... come up with them. <laughs> <laughs> Jenna's going to create facts today. <laughs> I'm just going to come up with anything I want. Right, which you should not do. No, don't do that. <laughs> and that's just how easy it is, though. But yeah, right. I mean, yeah. there are websites that do that, though. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know... I don't know them by name, but I know there are ones that are like legitimately like actual news articles, and you're like, oh, this must be true. But then you look at where it came from, and you're like, oh, this isn't <laughs> really CNN. This is like CNV or something. Yeah. I don't know something else. And I think one of the uh, the funniest things to see on Facebook is like, I'll have a few friends who will like post like a it looks like a news article and then, mm-hmm. you know in this day and age the title it's, will be so fantastic right and it came from the onion and i'm like oh <laughs> you got me you got me so good the onion is great <laughs> at doing that but at least the onion is like at least everyone knows it's the onion is like exactly. oh once you see the onion it's fine yeah that's true that's why you have to check your sources you gotta check your sources um there's another technique i learned from this navigating information, it would, navigating digital information mm-hmm. from the YouTube um, channel um, Crash Course is um, called horizontal reading. I think it's what it was referring to. In that, so basically, the way a website works is that you scroll down vertically, right? Mm-hmm. But or what they it's actually no, okay, it's not horizontal. It's lateral reading. So anytime you're doing research, you create a new. You click on the link and create a new tab basically okay that way you're not continuously scrolling down and just like continuously reading everything that that website tells you because you don't know if it's true or not right. at, at that moment but if you click on a link if it's on a website or do a google search on a new tab you can keep looking for new information and constantly cre- by constantly creating new tabs you can constantly reevaluate the information reevaluate the information you're getting basically right based off the first search you did or the first website you visited mm-hmm. and i think that's really helpful and i've been actually it's not that hard and i've been doing it a lot since i've watched the um series because it really just keeps you engaged in what you're reading and what is being presented to you and i think it's really helpful mm-hmm. but yeah I don't think I know one person who doesn't have at least 20 tabs open at mm-hmm. a time anyway. So yeah. don't act like it's something that you can't do. <laughs> nice. You're already doing it. Come on. Yeah. I mean, even on your phone, there's like the long click, like you, your thumb, you just hold it there for a second and mm-hmm. it just asks you. So that's also a thing. <laughs> yeah. You could literally just talk to your phone. <laughs> you could talk to you your know? phone too, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Also, I mean, but at the, see, and the weird thing about conspiracy theories too is it's not like there aren't people up to bad things. Yeah, it's not like there are conspiracy theories that aren't actually 
real sometimes yeah. that lead to real instances. Right. One thing me and Jenna have been talking about is the Tuskegee experiment, mm-hmm. which um, for those who don't know, so the Tuskegee experiment was a study on syphilis that was conducted on an African-American population in, I think it's Alabama. Mm-hmm. That's right. And it was conducted on behalf of the United States government, and it took journalists to uncover it and then report on, on it, I think in the New York Times, before it became widespread knowledge. Mm-hmm. And the experiment lasted for like at least two decades, I believe. And a lot of people died or were or contracted syphilis based off this experiment. Right. So it from what Jordan had looked up, I mean it started back in nineteen thirty two and lasted all the way up into nineteen seventy two, which is crazy to think about because that's such a long span of time um, that they were doing this to uh, predominantly men who mm-hmm. would track it back to their families, oftentimes their wives, their children, other people they might be sexually involved with. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they the people conducting these experiments weren't telling anyone, right. anyone within these experiments that this was happening to them. Mm-hmm. They had no idea why they were getting so sick, why they couldn't get better, why their families were also going through the same thing. I mean, it was just a mess. Yeah, and I think another part of experiment too, which helped, which you would probably think something like, well, why would they not subjugate themselves to this? But it was like Jenna said, that they weren't telling them what they were doing or what they were studying, but they also gave them like a lot of healthcare benefits Mm -hmm. so it basically gave them a reason to just keep going back to these people doing these experiments essentially because they were probably thinking like if i go back maybe they'll actually help me maybe maybe my my situation will get better Mm -hmm. but in reality none of that was happening yeah i think there was a control group who had it already so i think and that's important to note too is that no one like they the people conducting the study didn't give them syphilis everyone who already had syphilis already had syphilis but they were i don't know exactly how they were telling this but they were basically just told that they were going to do the study and that they had no other information besides that they were just going to do the study and then there was another group that didn't have syphilis and i think the ultimate goal was to see how syphilis progressed in in the individuals lifespan so if people died then people died essentially was no preventive care to stop that from happening because doctors now know that there are i believe three different stages of syphilis Mm -hmm. where the first stage is a, a more of a minor case where I guess the symptoms may or may not be quite as prevalent. Mm-hmm. The second stage, your body starts to really give in to it and starts to break down your immune system. Mm. The third stage can lead to death. Right. Permanent damage. I actually didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, especially with women, it can cause infertility, mm-hmm. like for sure. Um, we now know that, but right. it was all caused from all of this unethical research. Yeah. <laughs> so unethical. So unethical. <laughs> These are people, you know? Right. 
You can't just do that. I think the craziest thing from what you were telling me from this research is from the class action, class action lawsuit mm. that was filed that only $9 million were mm. given to all participants, right. all of them. Yeah. Mm. Not that there is any number value that can justify what happened to them. Exactly. But I I just don't think $9 million to all participants is enough to recompense what happened to them. Right. I mean, again, like, people, people's lives could have been saved by just... Because I, that's another important fact about this experiment is that penicillin is one of the primary defenses against syphilis. Hmm. And during the experiment, I think the cure, or penicillin was discovered, because I, I don't remember the exact date that penicillin was, um, oh, okay, it's 1945. I'm actually looking it up on my computer right now, on the CDC website. Um, so Which is about, I guess, about midway through mm-hmm. these experiments. Yeah, so in 1945, penicillin was this accepted as a treatment of choice for syphilis. However, the people conducting the experiment still didn't give those who already had syphilis any treatment. So they just continued. So they didn't tell the they didn't tell the um, experimental group that there was in fact a treatment for this deadly disease. They just continued to let them live with it. And yeah. And it, it, it's kind of crazy, too, looking at this research that you did, that many of these uh, participants, unwilling participants, I might add, mm-hmm. were illiterate, poor, right. sharecroppers. Mm-hmm. But the one thing that these... I, don't, I can't even call them scientists. These mm-hmm. monsters, in my opinion, right. did offer was, as opposed to giving them actual treatment to this disease that they now had they gave them free medical treatment to right. other things mm-hmm. and free burial insurance <laughs> yeah burial insurance could you imagine yep not even realizing that you're buying into this cycle of yeah it's that is incredibly sad and it took like i said i think uh, i'm trying to figure out when exactly it was the first news of the study happened in 1972 apparently and that's almost 40 years or at least close to it approximately 40 years of this happening in a community unacceptable that's it's crazy and again this is just a this is a real study um if you want to know more about it like i said the cdc has an entire timeline about what happened during um the experiment there's another one on tuskegee.edu that has some other information about it and the only quote-unquote good thing that could have come out this study was that after the study was discovered to be happening and it came to an end that there was an immediate outcry across the nation that this should not happen again so because of that um, the united states government implemented several laws and acts Mm -hmm. that would basically establish things like internal review boards so now and when you're doing human studies now in science 
you are required, your studies required to go through an IRB process, which means that it needs to be reviewed by a panel and that it, anyone who signs up for a study must be told about exactly what is happening in, in that study. And I know and we, me and Jenna are scientists at CIS um, here at UGA. And I, I'm sure you've had to do the right of way or the right oh, to yeah. know training. Absolutely. Right. And a right to know training is that at any time that me or Jenna is working with a chemical or any other substance or method that could be potentially um, detrimental to our health, we can ask anyone about it and they are required by law to tell us exactly what it is. Like, no. And if they don't, then they will face penalty because of it. And, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And that act that you were uh, talking about before, the National Research Act, right. 1974, it's just kind of interesting to me because it's supposed to help protect people from harm from mm-hmm. studies like these. And it's just crazy how they were trying to understand this disease in healthcare, but one of the first things that doctors are sworn yeah. to do mm-hmm. is to do no harm. Right. I see. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so it's just such a it's just such a paradox that something yeah. like this could actually happen. Right. And they still think that this is a, a win for science. Yeah. Finding that penicillin treats syphilis is probably the biggest thing that could have happened. And I don't even think this study, this study did not have anything with the discovery of penicillin. Mm-hmm. It just happened yeah. independently of this study. And they knew about it and still went, oh, well, let's just nothing. continue our study without ever trying to use it. And it's, that's very sad. And it's, um, I, it's un, an unspeakable harm almost, but we need to know about these things. Because um, I think this study does two things for us in uh, modern times. One, it tells us that you should ask questions of authority. Like, mm-hmm. that is, you should always be skeptical of those in power. Because if you're not, things like this will happen. And because, of, because some journalists started asking questions, they were able to find out what was really happening in this community that was just being used for personal gain and two is that even though there are bad people across the spectrum no matter if it's in the government or business or anywhere else if someone has authority there is probably a way to not only question them but to evaluate the evidence if you figure out what they're doing and you can hold it against them and in that way we know that there are some like in a way in the same breath that we say that we should be skeptical of authority there are moments where we say okay this is how we can hold people accountable and this is how we can trust some people even if they do have some power i guess that's what i take away from it right because you're not you're not saying like oh go out and fight authority but Mm -hmm. you're saying that the people in authority should be held accountable for their actions exactly and to a standard with which they mm-hmm. are sworn under exactly. to the people. Right. So that makes a lot of sense to me. And I think it's important to tie back. The reason why this comes up as a conspiracy theory is because, to me at least, in my opinion, is that 
especially in the black community, there is this distrust of the healthcare yeah, system. There exactly. is this distrust of authority figures, right? Mm-hmm. Because we've been failed by them. Yeah, exactly. Time and time again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I feel like whenever someone in the black community will say, you know, well, I don't trust this doctor because who knows what they think or who knows if they really want to treat me mm-hmm. to their best ability? Who knows if they don't have their own subjective bias? Right. So, I mean, I, I understand completely when people talk about their distrust in the system. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, I completely understand that. Because even if it's not healthcare per se, like, we know the history of the United States and how it's treated um, black and brown communities. So, mm-hmm. and those weren't things done by individuals. So those things were done by people with authority. And for us to not question that would be a bit irresponsible in a way mm-hmm. to just accept whatever anyone tells you is irresponsible. Right. You should always, if so, and if someone ever says to you that you shouldn't be asking questions, then you have a problem Mm -hmm. because and again like we can argue about whether or not or we we can definitely argue about if the amendments like protect those things like um, i believe the first amendment is freedom of speech and press and and that gives journalists the ability to do what they did here in this tuskegee experiment is that a journalist was able to go out and ask questions and they are given the right to do that by the first amendment to go ask questions and be credible and if the government does anything to step in the way then you then that journalist would have had the right to take them up to court or at least to get some penalty to them for that and i think that goes back to like today's day and age Mm -hmm. i'm not gonna point any fingers but right i understand the use of fake news Mm -hmm. pseudoscience you know these terms that pop up in media all the time Mm -hmm. not only attack freedom of speech and press but it also attacks our knowledge like we become skeptical of factual statements of factual evidence Mm -hmm. and I think that's so dangerous. It is very dangerous. Yeah. Um, not, there's not. That's not to say that there are sources that are not reputable. There are plenty of those. Yeah. But this idea of fake news and pseudoscience, just saying that to any little thing to yeah. just discredit it, mm-hmm. I think is so dangerous. It's very dangerous because it's not. It'd be one thing to say. So I'm just going to make up a website right now. Um, it'd be one thing to say that the greennews.org was fake, right? Because maybe it is. But if I don't have the evidence to say that it's fake, then it's what I'm saying can't be taken at face value. And now, and if I am someone with authority who's saying that, like, oh, greennews.org is fake news, and I don't have any evidence to back it up, and someone believes me, that now they can't trust anything that comes out of greennews.org. If the greennews.org is credible and posts something or publishes an article that could be beneficial to me, and I 
immediately don't trust because someone in authority said I shouldn't, then that's a real problem. That is a problem. And, and yeah. I mean, that just goes, I just keep going back to like, oh, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> oh, no, come back. <laughs> Uh, but no, just how, um, oh man, you were, you just, you, you caught me up. You were Sorry. making a lot of sense. No, it, it's totally fine. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, it's dangerous. Right. It's dangerous. Yeah. And I, and I, it's also, it's really dangerous because now something that's completely, um, relevant in this conversation is, so we just talked about the Tuskegee experiment, but even today we're talking about vaccinations and that is a very difficult thing to talk about and make people believe in if they don't believe in it already and it's very hard because on the one hand like you were just saying like being in the african-american community and other communities too about how we don't trust people telling us that we should just take medicine because at this because while we're scientists and we can evaluate the information like if you're a peer review process, exactly. Mm-hmm. If you're not a scientist and you haven't been in academia and you don't know how these things work, then you might not understand the process that came about because you might not understand a process that l- led to that vaccination being created in the first place. And again, that's not to say that. Um, there aren't companies hoping to create a cure, quote unquote, for some disease you might have, just to make money off of it. We, that's especially like insulin, insulin yeah. and epipens. I know are a big topic mm-hmm. in media because the pharmaceutical companies that manufacture these uh, commonly used medications mm-hmm. are monetizing. Yeah. And inflating their prices exactly. to ridiculous amounts, mm-hmm. and there's nothing that the government will do about it, right? Because not only is there force like it, there is a process of checks and balances there. Mm. However, the government is also getting a cut. You mm. know, let's yeah. not. Let's yeah, not there's just some things happening. This. Yeah, <laughs> there are some things happening that. Like you, we should always be asking questions about like why is it this way? Why aren't and why are we doing things about it? And like that's what Jen is getting to. Like we should ask questions about what is the connection between this company and how is it trying to influence the legislation that would prevent this company from monetizing off of people's illness. And like that's a fair point. And I guess what I'm trying to get to the point of is that. We shouldn't be argumentative of these topics. Mm-hmm. We should discuss them, and we should be critical. Right, critical. Them. We need yeah. to be critical thinkers, like what you were. We were talking about this before. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. that's a big point. I yeah, think, I think that's this. the most important part about being a scientist: is being critical at at every step of the way. Essentially, you need to under. You need to be trying to use the scientific method as much as possible when evaluating any information that especially that could affect your life and if you're not then you're not you're simply not being a scientist if and then there it's it would be hard to talk scientifically about how 
your morals and ethics work without some things being a little subjective. But for the most part, if it affects a bunch of people, like it seems like it shouldn't happen, right? Like if it, even if like there's always that classic philosoph- philosophical question, like oh, do you let one person die if it's going to save like ten? And it's a really yeah, the trolley. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and it's already a really <laughs> tough question in the first place, especially if you look at it. Because that's usually not what's happening, right? It's mm-hmm. usually not one versus ten. It's usually like, it's who's driving this trolley? Yeah, that's a, exactly. Like, yeah, what are you doing? <laughs> right. It, maybe it's not if the trolley exists. It's who's right, driving the right. trolley in the first. Because maybe there's maybe there's always the option that you stop the trolley from just running in the first place. Right. If the trolley's running on the track, is why isn't there an option to push the brakes? Exactly. Like, yeah. what kind of trolley is this? <laughs> right. Did they go go under yeah. peer review? Like, mm-hmm. did the trolley go under peer review? <laughs> <laughs> they should be calling up the government right now. Right. Yeah. And that's another thing, too, is, like, about a lot of these medical problems. And even not, like, you were talking about the bees earlier. It's like, there's a, the thing about science is that people do science. And that's both a benefit and a problem. Because people have their own agendas and biases that will prevent them from always doing what makes the most logical sense. Right. And that makes the scientific process harder because the scientific process is not perfect. Nothing, per- no, nothing is perfect in science. Um, and that's the main point of science, that everything we do is supposed to, if it's not perfect, we look for a better way and understanding that it still won't be perfect after that. But it's still people driving the research and we have to be critical of those people too even us like mm-hmm. me and you like if you ever feel like b-sci or us on the b-scientist podcast aren't doing our jobs right that's why we give you our contact information right. to say that if you want to send us an email you should one feel like you can send us the email right. to say i think you misrepresented something or mm-hmm. you're doing something wrong in the first place and just and we should be open enough to say, okay, like we'll talk about it and we'll make, we'll look at, we'll evaluate what we're doing and we'll try to fix it. Yeah, because I feel like that's not why, I mean, the reason why we have uh, a plethora of social media platforms mm-hmm. for people to choose from is because it's not just a showcase, yeah. it's also for discussion. Like, yeah. And that's the whole point is to be able to bring about discussion mm-hmm. amongst each other. Right. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. We've said a lot. Yeah, I'm actually surprised. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, there there's so much more that we could go in depth about. Yeah. Um, so maybe it'll be helpful if, again, we can't. So to recap, maybe. Yeah. So I would say, as a recap, and feel free to give your own, mm-hmm. uh, is that. Conspiracy theories are a tricky thing. Mm-hmm. This we I think we all know this, um, but there are instances where we need to find ourselves critical to figure out where what is the root cause of this conspiracy theory. Mm-hmm. Where does it come from? Does anything actually make sense? And if it does, why? Just just being mainly critical of mm-hmm. the information that we're given. Yeah. So. So I agree to that. Um, 
So, but and then whenever you come across a conspiracy theory, always be skeptical. And there's a difference between being skeptical of information and flat out denying things. Like, so to be skeptical essentially should mean to be critical of the information that is being presented to you. To be in denial of it is to say that no matter what you tell me about this, I will always believe what I believe. So that's so. There's two things in that. There's confirmation bias, which we talked about earlier, um, in that it's essentially just cherry picking information for your own benefit. And then there's something called the backfire effect. The backfire effect works like this: if I tell you that someone like so earlier, I was talking about my confirmation bias in that I believe that. The Sixers are the best team in NBA. However, if, say, a Celtics fan were to tell me that the Sixers aren't the best team in the NBA, I would immediately be like, whoa, you're just saying that because you're a Celtics fan. And and there, that's my backfire. That's the backfire effect. I am a lifelong Sixers fan, and that is a lot of my identity, my of you know, affinity for the Sixers. So if someone attacks that I will probably bend down the hatches and go I know I don't want to hear about how they're not the best team I only right. want to hear about how they are so and I'm sure you have like a whole list of like the facts. Reasons, <laughs> facts excuse me <laughs> <laughs> I'm say facts uh, <laughs> you know yeah like, I have a whole bunch of facts <laughs> about why they are in fact the best team but if I'm but if that's but there's something you should understand about that. That's Jordan Chapman, the Sixers fan. <laughs> Jordan Chapman, the scientist, should go. probably think something like, okay, well, one, it's I should look at what is happening around me. What is the evidence that this person is presenting me? Even if I even if there's not enough evidence, I should probably look for it. And I shouldn't look for it in the places where I think the best information would be for the Sixers. I should look for it in objective places. And as much as being a fan of any sport or any sports team is kind of subjective, mm-hmm. um, there are some numbers that could back up either argument. And sports change all the time. So maybe one year the Sixers are the best team. Okay, in the NBA. look. <laughs> <laughs> but in another year, maybe they're not. I don't know. I'm just saying, like, we should be objective. <laughs> so I guess what you're trying to say over here, Sixers fan, like. Is that we should be objective, right? We should be critical, mm-hmm. but we should always come back to our First Amendment right of freedom of speech and press. And, and watch your biases. And watch it. Yeah, watch, watch your yourself. biases. <laughs> I mean, you can have a Sixers bias, but just watch it. Just yeah, <laughs> well, you can have your Sixers forum over <laughs> in the corner over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm just kidding. But I think we would touch on some really, really good topics. Mm-hmm. Um, just one other analogy I wanted to make, though. What's up? Because I keep thinking about the one system of government that is supposed to always be flatlined, no bias, right, is the federal court, right? Yeah. But we always hear about, oh, our our conservative-leaning judge, yeah. or, oh, our liberal-leaning, and it's like... Where's the line? Where's the, where do we draw the line? I think that's also another really tough thing. Because, again, it's it's still... It's still people. personal it's, bias. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. So I just thought that was something that to also yeah. mention. But 
I'm really glad we have this discussion. Yeah. Um, I hope we change some people's minds about how to do research. Or so maybe maybe we should recap the research part again. Like so okay, yeah. I think some helpful ways, some helpful links and tips on doing research. So we're trying to make the source list for this episode. Uh, I'm gonna add the crash course um, navigating digital information um, playlist because it's a playlist you can just watch it you can basically binge watch the entire playlist I've done it twice now I probably <laughs> will do it 10 more times so you should do that um, it is really helpful also uh, the scientific method is a really great way to try to understand the information you are being presented with and you might think, oh, that's only for experiments. But no, you can use the scientific method at any point in your life, at any time of your day. It's super easy. So I might look for that. And I think it also one of the reasons I'm really excited, I was really excited about this episode is because as me and Jenna discuss more scientific topics, we hope that you understand that you can be a scientist and that is the name of the podcast for that very reason is because we want you to feel like at any point in your time you're thinking like a scientist and that you can do the same things that scientists can do because again you can do it and everyone can do it but sometimes it just takes a little help and um the source list is another way that we hope that you learn how to be scientists because in every paper Every scientific paper that you will ever read, there should be um, a citation or source list that gives you all of that person's previous research and previous re- studies done on a specific topic. If that, not, it's plagiarism. Or if not, opinion. it's plagiarism. <laughs> exactly. Fair enough. So. so we made sure to give you that and. That is something that is also just another resource for you as we keep trying to figure out more ways, more ways to give you more resources so you can do that. And <laughs> I was just gonna say something really corny, but no, no, no. You I think don't I have re- to be a scientist to be scientist. <laughs> I see what you did. There. I was as soon as you started, back. I was gonna hold it back, but I was like, no, 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 I'm gonna say this. As soon as you started that sentence, I knew it was gonna. <laughs> I was like, I'm waiting for it. Oh man, that's great. So with that said, <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode. Yeah, uh, and don't forget to be scientists. Oh, she did it again. Oh. <laughs> nice. All right, let's get out of here. Yeah. <laughs>